Thank you, Carl. I appreciate that. Um, and uh, it is it is an honor to be up here. It is. Uh, I'm very excited to be able to share with you today. And I just want to tell you that I love I love our church. My wife and I have been here for uh, 16, 17 years now, and I love what we do here. I love the people here, uh, the way that we try to take Cedar Mill outside these walls. Uh, and our elder board, uh, it is. Sorry, the Lord does not want me to talk about the elder board. Um, I'll wait to see if, hey, there we go. We good? We're okay. So maybe God doesn't want me to talk about the elder board. Thank you very much. Have a great day. I'll be done now. Uh, (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, Well, that kind of loosens the mood, doesn't it? Uh, no, but our elder board, they, they love you. And, and when we just, we love praying for you. Uh, we love to see the vision of what um, God wants for each of you uh, in your lives and in our lives together. Sharpening iron, going outside these walls to our beaver tens, to our organs, and to the ends of the earth. Right? We want to go out and be God uh, to, to our people in our areas. And so uh, this is a unique um, Sunday morning for me in the sense that it's Royal Family Kickoff Day. And the past many years, I've gotten to come up here and kind of giving you the vision for camp and um, notice that I've been replaced. Um, and it became very obvious to me that for the last six or seven years, the wrong person has been giving the royal family announcement, uh, being that my beautiful bride, Karen, uh, I, I am blessed. For any of you that know Karen, I am blessed to have her as my wife. Such a giving heart, such a servant for the Lord, and, and uh, you know those tough days, men, when you come home from work and, and you want to leave work behind you and you walk in and you see your bride there and you just go, yes, God is really good. You know, that that's who I get to spend the rest of my life with. And so um, I thank uh, my Lord, that uh, our Lord, that, that, that Karen is in my life. So I could talk for a long time about her, but I probably better get going on this. So um, let's go ahead and open up the book uh, to Ephesians chapter 2. Where have we been, right? About four weeks ago, Matt talked about being in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? And we're still trying to really wrap our head around that. What does it mean to be in Christ? You know, and I think that's something that's going to take us all the way to eternity to really grasp and learn. And I'm okay with that because I want to take till eternity to figure that one out. Uh, And then Carl followed that up with what it is to be a guarantee, right? We have this guarantee in Jesus Christ. We have this inheritance, right? We are adopted into his family. All of the believers are in his family with Jesus. What a beautiful picture. If anyone has any interactions with adopted children or they are an adopted child and just what that means to come under a forever family. Such a beautiful picture. And then he moved into the power of the king. The power that we have being in Jesus Christ and what that means. A wonderful thing. And then last week, for those of you that weren't here or were here, as Matt talked about the world, right? The flesh, the devil, the world. And how that can bind us. How that can hold us down. How we are dead in our transgressions. Yet Jesus Christ comes in and rescues us. Makes us a new creation. And leads us right into Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. 
I love that we stand when we read the Bible. Let's all stand, please, if just be for a second here as we just read these three verses in Ephesians 2. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Father, may this be a time. May you come before us. May we hear your voice. May we understand, may we begin to grasp the depth of what it is to be in your river, to be in the river of Jesus Christ, and to be in your grace. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, we go from what we call children of wrath, your first line in your notes there, right? Our nature being children of wrath to his nature, a nature of mercy and of love and of grace. Children of wrath to mercy, love, and grace. Now this term grace, for by grace... Grace is one of those words I think we throw out there sometimes, kind of like love. I love my, I love my spaghetti and I love God. And, and those are the same things. And we know that that's not really true. Right? But grace, that same kind of thing. We kind of throw that word out there sometimes. And before a meal, we say grace. I, I don't know why we call it grace. If someone really knows that, come and talk to me afterwards why we call that. But anyway, you know, we name our children grace. Or, or as a teacher, we give grace. We give something that they don't deserve. You know, a Friday project comes in and you give them a grace period till Monday to finish it, right? Something that they don't really deserve, but it's pretty, it's pretty small and minimal. But God's grace, in my opinion, God's grace is so much more. In fact, it is intertwined into everything about who Jesus Christ is. His mercy, his compassion, his character, his love. Everything about God is intertwined into his grace. I would define grace in a way that says God's grace is an unearned, undeserved favor or blessing. An unearned, undeserved favor or blessing. That is freely given from the giver. That is God's grace. Now there's many, many stories of God's grace throughout the Bible. A couple of them I want to take you to. And I want you to picture we are, you're walking with the disciples. You're leaving Judea. And you're going off to Galilee and you're walking with Jesus and you have to go through this area called Samaria. Now it's the middle of the day, it's hot and they've been traveling for a while and, and the disciples go off and they get something to eat because they're, they're pretty hungry themselves and Jesus is by himself and he finds himself a well to sit at. And he goes and sits at this well. 
And he's resting for a little while, and then a woman walks up. A Samaritan woman walks up, and, and Jesus acknowledges her. Says, hey, can I get a drink? <laughs> now, the Samaritan woman is taken back by a little bit, because one, he's a man, and, and the men and the women didn't interact a whole lot during that time. But also, he's a Jew, and she's a Samaritan. And she even responds back with, why would you talk to me? You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and we are not of the same kind, supposedly. Right? You, are a, you, you have elevated yourself or whatever. And, and, and Jesus reply, replies back to this woman. And he says, if you only knew, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that has asked you for a drink of water, you would have asked him for a drink. And he would have given you living water. Could you imagine? He would have given you living water. Now, like you, I'd be like the Samaritan woman where I'm still not exactly sure who I'm talking to, right? And you're kind of a little confused. And she replies in a very worldly way. She says, but why are you here? You don't even have anything to draw with, to draw water with. This well is very deep. Still not fully understanding yet what is happening. And Jesus again calmly replies to her, Those who drink the water that you are coming to draw will thirst again. Those who come to take the water will thirst again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst again. Amen will never thirst again. And in fact, this water will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. When you take the cup of living water, when you draw from that, you will never thirst again. And then he follows up with this woman and he points out to this woman that he knows her very well. He knows exactly who he is talking to. This is a woman that is deep in sin. Multiple husbands, lots of other things. And she realizes that as well. And she says, I want this water. Jesus pours out his mercy on this woman who doesn't deserve it, who has done nothing to get it. And Jesus pours out his grace His grace onto her. I love the picture. She comes with an empty bucket seeking water. And she leaves full, springing to eternal life with living water. God's grace poured out to this woman. Let's take another place. We go up to the hill in Golgotha. There's three people on a cross. You know the story. Everyone is shouting insults at Jesus. The thief on one side looks at Jesus and says, If you were the Son of God, rescue yourself. Bring yourself down. Save us all. Shouting insults at Jesus. And the thief on the other side, he yells at that thief. What are you doing? Who are you? He rebukes him. You are wrong. 
This man has done nothing wrong. We have done everything. We deserve to be here at our execution. At our last days. We deserve to be here. We are deep in sin. We are thieves. We are, I don't even know exactly what they are. Bad, bad men. And he says, we deserve to be here. And then he turns to Jesus. Jesus, will you remember me? And Jesus, with this compassionate heart, remember, Jesus is about to die. He looks at this man and he says, Today you will be with me in paradise. This thief did nothing. This thief did not deserve it. But God poured out his grace, his living water, to this man. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He saved him. I love the term rescued. He rescued him from death. For by grace you have been saved. Saved from what? For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Saved from hell. Saved from eternal damnation. Saved from the full separation from God. Now I grew up in a home that was unbelievable. A mom and dad who loved me. Brothers that were my heroes. I grew up in an awesome home. But when we went to church, the thing that we were taught in church, and I don't know if some of you experienced this as well, was how to stay out of hell. What do I need to do to not go there? Right? We were taught more about hell and getting away from hell than we were taught about grace. I love the image that Carl gives when he's talked about Jesus in the river. Jesus is the river. Flowing from the beginning of time to the end of time, to eternity, thousands of years. I love the songs we sing. 10,000 years. That's a long time. Right? That's a long time. 10,000 years. But that's a drop in the bucket. Thousands of years. The river of life. Of Jesus. And we step into that river. Less about hell. And saved. To live in Jesus. To live in his grace. And what that means. How different our lives can be. If every day we realize we are in his grace. The interactions that you have with people, the angry people at work, the people on the road, your spouse. I am living in his grace. What a beautiful thing. Less about that, more about the river being in with Jesus. For years and years and years and years to come. For by grace you have been saved through 
faith. Faith. That's an interesting one. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Huh. Faith in a lot of things, right? For me personally, I think that faith is that step of action. Right? We trust, we believe. Faith is maybe that last, that step of action, that step of trust. I trust, I have faith that you are who you say you are. Right? Let's picture yourself. You're up on the top of the Empire State Building. You're standing there and looking out at the beautiful, God-given beauty of downtown New York City. Okay. Just imagine. Uh, (laughs) It's beautiful. Uh, And there's this tightrope, of all things, from the top of the Empire State Building over to the Chrysler Building. Okay? Man gets up there and walks across it. Walks back. Walks across, walks back, walks across, walks back, walks across, walks back. 10, 15, 20 times. 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you see this guy do this. Then he goes and gets a wheelbarrow, puts it on there, walks across, walks back, walks across. You're kind of amazed. This guy's pretty good. No wobble, no nothing. He just over and back, over and back. You watch for an hour and a half. He keeps doing it. He's putting sand in there. He's doing all this kind of stuff. And then he comes over to you. He says, hey, what do you think about this? I think it's pretty amazing. I think you're crazy, but I think it's pretty amazing. Do you trust that I could do it with whatever? I, I trust you could do it with whatever. Do you believe I could do it with whatever? I, I, I believe you could. Do you have faith that I could do it? Huh. Get in my wheelbarrow. Huh? Get in my wheelbarrow. Your faith that I can do it? Get in my wheelbarrow. Let's go. Whoa. You see, faith was who, was what the man had a long time ago when he built a huge boat in the desert. When he'd never seen rain. Faith was the little pebbles that a boy picked up with a slingshot and said, I'm going to take that giant down. Faith was the disciple that looked out and saw Jesus on the water, stepped out of the boat, and walked toward him. You see, the faith is not in the boat. The faith is not in the pebbles. The faith is not in the surface of the water. The faith is not in the wheelbarrow. The faith is in our God. The faith is in God to hold on to the wheelbarrow, to take us wherever we go. Not only get in the wheelbarrow, But take your hands off and say, where you go, I will go. Where you lead, I will follow. No matter if that is to the terrible places, I trust 
You are who you say you are. If that means that you are going to take me down a terrible road where I am going to lose a child. Or I am going to lose a parent. Or I am going to lose my job. Or I am going to... Something is going to happen. Through the good times and the bad times. My faith can stay strong. Now let me get this clear. It does not take more faith to get in the wheelbarrow. It's not about that. Right? It's not about you need more faith. In fact, Jesus says just the opposite. Right? He says the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. If you have been told when you have suffered something in your life and somebody says, if you just had more faith, that's a lie. It is not the great faith. The faith of a mustard seed to get into the wheelbarrow. Maybe the wheelbarrow is only a foot off the ground. But it's saying, yes, Jesus, I relinquish my power of my life. Take me where you will take me. And I'm ready to go. That takes a lot. Our faith is sometimes rocked, right? Faith also can be um, referred to as an adhesive, right? Like a tape. We are in our faith in Jesus Christ. We are adhered to him in his death, in his resurrection, in the life to come. Right? We are with him in his faith. Now, we move past there into our next verse. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We can't earn our salvation. Some of us were taught that when we were growing up, that we can earn it. If we just do enough, if we just help enough old ladies across the street, well, tell me how many that is. Do I have to help help 100? No. That woman who came to the well did nothing, and God gave her grace. That man on the cross, right? God gave his grace. But wait, in, in, in uh, James, it says, faith without works is dead. And here you are saying that the gift of God, not by works. So which one is it? Nah. Yes. Can I tell you, brothers? Sorry, I need to throw a little Carl in there because that's about, right? It's both. It's both. You don't really sound like that, Carl, by the way. <laughs> It's both. But this is how it's both. Right? This is how. Nothing that we can do can get us salvation, can get us God's grace. But because we are in Christ Jesus and because of his grace, we do good works. Amen? Good works don't get us salvation. But because of salvation and grace, we do good works. It's a beautiful picture. 
And it takes us right into verse 10 where it says his workmanship. Depending on what translation you have, workmanship. Workmanship, I I got stuck on this in a great way when I was studying this. The Greek for workmanship is poema or poem. That's the last bullet, by the way. Somebody got mad at me last service. I didn't. That's the last bullet. Poem. Workmanship is poem. We are his poem. We are his masterpiece. We are his Sistine Chapel. We are his beautiful writing. Every one of us who are in his grace. On display. Matt brought that up last week. On display. What amazing picture. Because God's grace is in me and my good works are happening solely because of that, I am on display for those who don't know him. Even a sinner like me can be saved. And we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece Someone shared with me last service, and I love this. He's a carpenter. And he said, Tom, I take a piece of wood, and the, the, the gnarlier and the harder the wood is, the harder it is to work with sometimes. But if you chisel away, and you chisel away, and you get down, and you get these more knots and things like that, he said, when I am done, it is the most beautiful piece of wood I have ever created. Not created. It's the most beautiful piece of wood he's ever carved and made into something. These gnarly, when there's gnarls and when there's things, he said it makes this beautiful end result. We are all gnarled. I hate to tell you that. We are gnarled. Right? He didn't come for the perfect. He came for the sinner. He came for the scarred. He came for the hurting. He came for the lost. He came for every one of us. Now, for some of us, we struggle with this grace. We struggle with the salvation piece, right? But things are prepared for us. We don't need to do anything. When I was thinking about preparation, I was thinking, Thanksgiving, we prepare, right? When I grew up, it was all this family, and it was was awesome. It was really fun. But then Karen and I got married and we started having Thanksgiving at our house. And I don't know if it's like this at your place, but like two weeks before Thanksgiving, we started dusting places that have never been dusted before and we're vacuuming and everything's getting perfect, getting the table out, getting the china out that hasn't been out since we were married. You know, sorry. Uh, Thanksgiving morning comes around and we're closing doors that do not open here. You know, sorry, Karen. Uh, (laughs) Right? We're preparing this beautiful feast for people to come over. Who's bringing the turkey? Who's bringing the yams? Still don't know why people bring yams. But anyway, we come to the table. Not the point. (laughs) It's prepared for us, right? In Jesus, in his river, when we step into the river of Jesus, it's been prepared for us. Right? The verse says, God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's been prepared. He knows the good works that we are going to do. He knows the good works that we are doing now. He knows the good works that have happened in the past. We are in Him. 
The table is set. And it's a beautiful table with a lot of people at it. We are at his Thanksgiving feast, if you want to say. Now, some of us struggle with some of this, and I do as well. Does guilt stop you from his grace? Does guilt stop you from his salvation? Right? His giving of that. Oh, Tom, if you only knew. If you only knew my story. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve Jesus. I don't deserve that. I have done so many bad things. I have, I am still, I am stuck in a sin I can't get free of. I, I don't deserve, Tom, this message is for somebody else. You know what I tell you? You're exactly right. You don't deserve it. But neither do I. There is nobody in here who can say, I deserve. Give me some credit. I was part of this. Come on, I was part of this. I mean, God came down, but I, come on. You know, my neighbor comes over and writes me a $300,000 check for my mortgage. Here, here you go. Wow, that's really, wow, that's amazing, Karen. What, what he, what's he doing? I can't believe he did that. That's amazing. What did, and I said, well, don't, hey, don't, don't take me out of the equation. I had to reach out my hand and take the check. Right? We can't take credit for that. You don't deserve it. Don't let guilt stop you from being fully refreshed in the river of Jesus Christ. Is it pain? Why would a God take my son? Why would a God take my daughter? Why would a God take my parent at such a young age? And there's too much hurt there. Faith. That even then. Right? I think about that when I'm at, I'm at Royal Family sometimes. How did God let this happen to this small child? Faith. That even in those times, Jesus Christ is there. Amen? And that's hard. That's hard. I I know that's hard. Fear. For me, fear. If anybody knows me, fear is one of those ones that has controlled me sometimes. A couple years ago, I was uh, I was having some some pretty serious, I thought, (laughs) uh, medical issues, and I had to go into the doctor, and and I was sure, right? The night before, I'm driving home from work, and I had to pull over on the side of the road as I was talking to Karen on the phone. Uncontrollable fear. I knew the next day I was going to the doctor, he was telling me I had a terminal illness and I was dying within four to six weeks. Uncontrollable fear. Fear of the future. I was not letting the grace of Jesus Christ be my life. I'm in the river, but I was not experiencing it anywhere to the fullest. Pride. I can do it on my own. My life is good. I got a great family. I got great kids. I do have great kids. I have a great spouse. Right? Everything is great. I don't really need God. Get in 
the river. Experience God's grace, which helps you do good works. I want you to take a moment in your notes. I want you to write in your notes what good works is God doing in your life now because you are in his grace. What good works are you? This is not a boastful list. This is not to share, hey, look at me, woo, woo, woo. No, not at all. This is with you and God. What are you, what good works are living out of you? For me, Royal Family Kids Camp is right at the top of the list. When I go to camp and we are there, God's grace is living out of me. His good works are my hands and feet. He speaks with my voice. His hands hold somebody. God's grace in me at Royal Family. And it's not me. Oh, trust me, there is none of me that's there. That's all the Lord. So in your notes, take a minute. What good works is God doing right now in your life because you are in his grace? Now, for some of us, that might be a hard exercise to do. And that's okay. Maybe it's something to think about. Where am I letting God in? Where is God's grace pouring out of me? Where are the good works for the years and years and years to come? Somewhere in there is there fear Is there guilt? Is there pain? Is there loss? That is stopping you from being able to live in his grace and do his good works that have been prepared for you. As the music team comes up, I want you to think about this. When we come up to take communion today and the Lord has tugged on your heart, the Lord has said, yes, maybe it's a salvation decision. I want to be in that river. I want to experience his grace. I want good works to flow out of me. I want to be in, I want to be at that table. Then as you come forward to take communion, come to the side. 
the few pastors and elders will be down here. I'll be down here. I want to, we want to pray with you. I've always been one that is, when it comes to a decision like this, that we actively, that we step out and say, yes, that is me. That we can stand up on a chair and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? If when you are writing down there and you kind of struggle a little bit because there is something that is just hanging on you, that fear, that pain, that whatever, when you come forward to take communion as well, come to the side. We want to pray with you as a church. The church is not these walls. The church is you. Come alongside each other and to pray as iron is sharpening iron. To pray with you and for you. Don't be afraid. Right? The devil is out there and, he's, and his little demons are saying, tell him there's no God. Tell him there's no heaven. And Satan's saying, no, they can't be convinced of that. But I will tell him this. There's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow to go see that neighbor who you wronged. There's always tomorrow to to ask for forgiveness. There's always tomorrow to rid yourself of that guilt, of that fear. There's always tomorrow to say, yeah, Jesus, I want you in my life. Until tomorrow turns into next week, turns into next month, and the world takes back over. There's a song about redeemed. I am redeemed. Break off these heavy chains. Wipe away every stain. Because I'm not who I used to be. Amen? Redeemed. We are redeemed. Josh sang a beautiful song. Lord of all, Christ is one. The cornerstone. Through the storm, he is Lord. Lord of all. Through the storms of our life, he is with you. Don't let the chains stop you from asking for help, from asking for prayer, from asking the Lord to come into your life, to jump into the river of Jesus. It is, for those of us, it is awesome in here. It is awesome in the river of Jesus. Anna's going to sing a song now about blessings. I love this song. It talks about what if the blessings are in raindrops? What if the blessings are in our tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials in our lives are your mercy in disguise? Break off the heavy chains when you come forward. Come to his side. We want to pray with you. So as they begin now, we can start our communion time. Take the elements. Take them back. Have a time with the Lord, his body, his blood. Shed for you so that we can live forever with him.